Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. And boy, do we have a special guest today, my friend, Hala Taha. Welcome to the show. Hi, Darius. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to have you here. Guys, for those of you that are new to The Greatness Machine, you know that we're about two things, people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And Hala is both living her passions and creating massive greatness. So we are going to chop it up and talk about so many great things today. Oh, my gosh. We are here, ready to go. We are here. Some technical difficulties, but we made it. Boom. Crushing it. Got, so so I told Hala right before the show, I said, I always sing karaoke to people before the show. And I picked this song because I've been like doing a little bit of research on Hala. We, we don't formally know each other. I, I saw her because she works with one of my good friends, Brian Scudamore. And I see a lot of content about how she came up how she came up and did what she did, which she's created this amazing, amazing podcast called Young and Profiting. We're going to be talking about that. For those of you guys on LinkedIn, you guys know you see Hala all over the place, crushing it with people like Matthew McConaughey. And I was like, man, this is a girl who just really, like a woman, excuse me, who has just came out of the gates and built something from nothing, full-blown entrepreneurial, serial boss mode. And I was like, she won't back down. Like this is, she won't back down. So yeah, I picked that song straight up for you, but um, it's so yeah. true. <laughs> it's just, you know, like you, you really have that, that entrepreneurial energy to you, at least that's fr from what you present online. And, and um, you know, I would love to talk about, you know, really how you came up, but before we do that, do you mind if I give your formal bio really quickly? Of course, go for it. All right. I read these because I'm, I'm too slow to memorize them. But Halataha is the host of Young and Profiting Podcast, Bo <laughs> and she's frequently ranked as the number one education podcast across all apps, interviewing such notable guests as Matthew McConaughey, Go Austin, Texas, Seth Godin, Ryan Serhant, and Robert Green. Hala is also the CEO of YAP Media, a full-service social media and podcast marketing agency for top podcasters, celebrities, and CEOs, that's you guys, generating over $2 million in revenue in its first year. She is well-known for her engaged following and influence on LinkedIn, and she also landed on the January 2021 cover of Podcast Magazine. What a mouthful. Man, you're doing a lot over there. How long are you... 
let me ask you a question. How long have you been? How long, when did you start YAP Media? So it's Yap Media, and I started it just last year. So it's just like 13, 14 months old, uh, oh. which is incredible because we blew up super fast. And our origin story is really interesting. We actually started as a group of volunteers. It was just fans who volunteered for my podcast, and it turned into a marketing and podcast agency. Wow. So so before we go there, though, like... So Yap Media started a year ago. You, you guys have 63 employees, yes. multi-million dollar business. I mean, obviously you, you, you kind of caught lightning in a bottle. I mean, that, that's, that, like, that, that's not normal, right? And, and, and I've, I've built businesses very quickly to seven figures many times and, and way above that. And it's just, it's hard to do. Um, I want to back up though, because that just doesn't happen. You know, like, like that's not, it's very unusual for people to do that. Uh, there's a fav, my, one of my favorite quotes. Um, it was, I think it's Adrian Brody is who said this. He said he, when he won his Oscar, he said it, it was, it, what did he say? He said, my father said that basically 13 years to become an overnight success, mm-hmm. right? It takes 13 years to become an overnight <laughs> success. And, and, and I kind of see that with you. Do you like, how, how did this come to be? Like, how did you say like, Oh, I'm gonna become an entrepreneur. Like, give us your go all the way back, like before you became. Oh my gosh, it really has taken like 10, 13 years to become an overnight success. This did not happen overnight. I feel like I've clawed my way to the top, (laughs) and that every door I had to kick down personally, nothing was handed to me. It was all just hard work, consistency. So I started my career in radio in college when I was 19 years old. I took an internship at Hot 97. at the At the time, it was the number one hip hop and R&B station in the world. And I ended up getting promoted to be Angie Martinez's assistant, who was the voice of New York. She was like the number one personality. She was all anybody cared about when it came to radio. And I worked for the biggest, uh, basically, show in America under Angie Martinez. And so I did everything at the station. I did the research. I did ran the Dillette boards. I picked out music. I answered the calls. I ran the contests. I said I did commercials. I got, you know, exposure on air. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, I was a free, unpaid intern for three years. Uh, the way that it works in radio is that you pay your dues and you've yeah. just, so I, I got the coffee. I fed the meters. I, I did anything that they needed me to. I went and got clothes for Angie. I babysat her kid. I was basically working 24 seven and I would make my money at night hosting underground hip hop showcases, hosting parties, going around with the DJs and just being their lackey essentially. And so I did that for three years. And when a paid job opened up, I was getting a lot of pressure from my family because everybody in my family was doctors and uh, education was a priority. I had dropped out of college for this internship. And so my parents were really upset with me and I was getting pressured to get a real job and like you need to like get your life on track or go back to school. And so I was like, hey, can I just get minimum wage? Like, can I start getting paid by the station? And um, one thing led to another and I got let go from the station because they basically got scared because they weren't paying me for three years and they kind of, they got scared. And for me, that was life shattering because my identity was tied to being Hala from Hot 97. I dropped out of school. All my friends knew me for that. I was hosting the coolest parties. I had grown a Twitter following. Everybody was so impressed. Even though it was just an intern, I was a personality and a talent at the station. And so everyone was really impressed with it. And when I was let go of Hot 97, I think they were only letting me go temporarily and they were trying to teach me a lesson. But I, like being the firecracker that I am, I moved on in four days. Yeah. and thought of a new concept called the sorority of hip hop. 
So I felt like I was burned from the station after investing so much time in there and getting basically fired and kicked out of the station. Angie Martinez told all the DJs they weren't allowed to talk to me anymore. So not only was I kicked out of the station, I was blackballed from wow. everybody there. And they weren't allowed to pick up my calls. All my mentors, my best friends were there. I wasn't allowed to go pick up my stuff. This is a station that I used to spend 10 to 12 hours a day in. So for me, it was like my whole life turned upside down. So I had a new idea. I felt really burned and I wanted to have a platform for women who also were in the entertainment industry to come together and use one voice and we could leverage each other's audiences and do something different together. So I called it the sorority of hip hop. Mm -hmm. I went back to school. I learned how to build websites. Within four days, I built the sorority of hip hop.com, strawberryblunt.com. And I started recruiting girls to become to be in my sorority, nice. this fake sorority that I created. <laughs> and so I uh, put out solicits on Craigslist, on Twitter. And, you know, two weeks in, I had 14 girls. I had our first meeting. And, you know, within three months, we were one of the most popular hip hop websites in the world. I wow. essentially figured out how to hack Twitter, where every time we put out a blog, it would at a celebrity. And then like, you know, all the girls who, who did the blogs for me would tweet out on their accounts. Everybody like worked at different entertainment, um, businesses like Def Jam, iHeart, VH1, MTV. And so everybody had a little following. So altogether, we were really powerful. And then, you know, Drake would notice 50 girls tweeting at him, he'd retweet me, or somebody might recognize me from Hot 97, because I had a lot of connections and would hang out with celebrities when I was younger. And so people just started retweeting us and we blew up. So within three months, MTV noticed us and wanted to shoot a pilot about the the story what we were doing and they did a small pilot it didn't work out but i figured hey it's been three months who cares let's keep going this is yeah. amazing and so we had the blog we hosted parties we had radio shows and then the same djs who wouldn't pay me minimum wage started calling me up to promote their parties and host their parties so all of a sudden i became a peer i got shouted out more on the radio than I did when I worked there. I was side uh, by side on the flyers with Funkmaster Flex and DJ Camillo hosting the hottest parties and throwing concerts. And I did that for three years. It was an amazing journey. I think there was about 150 girls in and out. We were sponsored by American Apparel, Reebok, SMS, Audi. Like we, we got a lot of sponsors. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I'll just close it out with how it all ended. So MTV reapproached us three years into it and was like, okay, this time we really want to do a show. They signed me. I was the lead. We had five other girls who were a part of the show. They got us a studio on Broadway. They filmed us all summer. They basically shot a whole season of uh, a TV show and it was right after Jersey Shore ended. So it was a big deal to be on MTV at that time. Sure. And I thought I was going to be a celebrity. I thought, you know, here I did it like six years of just grinding and finally I made it. And uh, or maybe it was like five years or so. And last minute they pulled the plug. So they what? were supposed to air the show. They never told me why. They just said, you know, this is how things go. We decided not to air the show. We're wow. sorry about that. They gave us some money and goodbye. Get on your way. And again, oh. I found myself at zero, devastated, identity tied to something that didn't belong to me. Yeah. First it was Hot 97, then it was MTV. And it, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that, oh my gosh, like, what do I do now? And I had thought that we finally made it because there was 50 mouths to feed at all at all times. And so we weren't making enough money for, it wasn't like how my business is now where we're making a whole ton of money. I didn't really figure things out yet. Blogs didn't make that much money. We were getting money here and there for parties, but I just decided, you know what? I need to shut everything down, 
I need to be successful on my own. I was just, you know, in my mid twenties, I, I felt mm -hmm. like it was too much pressure. And so I said, screw the entertainment industry. I'm done. I I'm not doing this anymore. I went and got my MBA, got a 4.0, went into corporate and we can pause there. And I basically just said no more entertainment industry at that point. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. So what, like, is it that the, well, obviously you get burned, right? And entertainment industry is super fickle. Uh, my sister, she went to, she was, she was in fashion industry for 10 years. And I kind of see entertainment and fashion as the same. And yeah. she, she went to Parsons in New York City. She got a job at Rag and Bone. Then she got a job at True Religion. And she worked and literally as like a fa fashion designer that this is the only job she ever wanted to do. And then, but it's what I noticed with those industries is the supply and demand curves out of whack, right? The demand to be in there so high that 
they basically treat everyone like crap unless you're like that 1%. And then, and then you're on the other side, you know? So from what I just heard you say is you're just like, you got burned by the entertainment industry and you said, I'm over it. What, like, was it that were you, I mean, obviously we look part of being an entrepreneur, part of having that grind, that passion is overcoming rejection. And we, and we hit these walls sometimes where we're like, why am I here? But then we take a break, and sometimes we go back. Why? Why did you decide to go into corporate from there? What, what was the What was the big pre- like precipice for, with that? I just felt like there was so much more for me to learn still, and I thought maybe if I could get my feet wet in corporate and kind of learn processes and learn how a real big business works, that I could then take those learnings with me and apply it later on. And I just felt like I, my whole life, I was a leader and an entrepreneur. Like imagine being 25 years old, leading 50 girls and trying to figure out how everybody, everybody was banking on me to become famous. And, and I was like the mastermind behind everything. And it was just like a lot of pressure. And I thought, well, if I'm not successful myself, how can I make everybody else successful? I feel like I have to work on myself and be a little bit selfish because I kept giving and giving and giving. And I realized that I needed to be selfish for a little while. And I honestly thought that maybe I wasn't good enough. Like I, I, it was a low self-esteem moment, to be honest. I just felt kind of just, well, if MTV didn't like me and Hot 97 didn't pick me and I was almost on Sway in the Morning as his co-host and did that f- for two weeks and they fired me. And I was like, everybody's like not picking me in the end. I, I get this close and then they drop me. So I was like, well, maybe I'm just not good enough. And that's kind of, it was a low self-esteem moment, if I could be honest. And so I went into corporate and it turned out to be great. You know, I did amazing in my MBA. I got a 4.0. I was number one in my class. Then I ended up working at Hewlett Packard. And because I was so different, I was super tech savvy. I was the most technical person on the marketing team. I knew how to build websites. I knew how to do social media. At that time, people, corporate still like was still trying to figure that out. Like the corporate world still didn't really understand social media. And so I was promoted four times in four years. I was the face of the young employees. I was the president of the young employee network. And I essentially was an entrepreneur in HP. And that was great experience for me. And it gave me my confidence back because I was leading, I was getting a lot, I was working directly for the CMO and the CEO, and I was the one interviewing the CEO for internal things and just gave me a lot of exposure, gave me my confidence back. And three years into it, I decided like, hey, I miss being on the mic and I don't want to just be a voice to the 7,000 young employees at Hewlett Packard. I can be bigger than this. So I started my journey on LinkedIn and launched Young and Profiting Podcast. So is that so that you said you launched that a year ago or you launched the agency a year ago? I launched the podcast three and a half years ago Got and it. I launched the agency a year ago. Got it. So three and a half years ago, you're a few years in the corporate. You're seeing you you kind of got that itch to get to get to be out in the public again. You start the the podcast. Why why walk us through the name, walk us through the, the like the like you're in business and then you say I want to start a podcast. How did you decide on this type of podcast? Well, I felt like I had a lot of value to share in terms of how people could make money. And I felt like I had the entrepreneurship experience, then I had the corporate experience, and I felt like I had connections and enough of a story to get really good guests. So from the start, I had my favorite authors on the show from episode number one. And that's because I 
knew how to shoot my shot and I had such a good story that people were like, all right, I'll, I'll take a chance on you, even though you're a brand new podcast. It's not your first rodeo because honestly, Young and Profiting Podcast, I didn't mention this, but throughout this whole time when I was doing the website, Hot 97, I had online radio shows on the side. So Young and Profiting was like my fifth show by then. Um, I used to interview music artists and it was like more of a fun lifestyle show. Uh, but I had a different premise this time. It was going to be about business. It was going to be more serious, self-improvement, how to improve your life financially and professionally. And people give me a shot right out the gate. And I had the audio production experience. I had the marketing experience. So I had a lot of skills that I had acquired over the years for people to actually believe in me. And so, uh, so right out the gate, my episode number one, two, and three are like masterpieces. And I spent a lot of time on them and I got a traction uh, right away from my podcast because the stuff was really impressive from the start. And I had fans by episode two, I had my first volunteer who's Timothy Tan, who's now my business partner. And right. by episode eight, I had 10 volunteers in a Slack channel from all around the world who were just helping me build the brand. And in terms of the name young and profiting, um, it really stemmed from being in the young employee network at Hewlett Packard. And I, I think that evolved into the young and profiting name mm -hmm. and, uh, YAP was the acronym for that. And I thought that was really clever and nobody owned that yet. So, so let me ask you a question because obviously the world of podcasts is so different now, you know, three and a half years later, I, I remember I was talking to somebody um, like right when I started my show and they said, Oh, you know, being on a podcast today is like asking somebody for a cup of coffee a year ago. You know, it's, it's, it's this thing where everyone's got a show and there's a lot of noise. And, you know, especially in my world, a lot of my friends are CEOs. A lot of them have exited their companies. Now they're looking to see what's next. So what's next is this like almost like a trifecta, write a book, do a Ted talk, start a podcast. Right. <laughs> um, so you, so the end result is there's a lot of noise. Right. And I, I was interviewing John Lee Dumas on my show, um, which I'm, I'm sure you know him and he, he and I were t chatting and I was on his show and, and he, he was like, you know, man, I said, what would you, what advice would you give someone starting a show right now? And he said, like, if they wanted to have the same success you, you had. And he said, I wouldn't be able to start my show right now and have the same success as I had because the world's different. And I would tell them to be really niche if they wanted to be successful. So you started three and a half years ago. I mean, the type of traction you're talking about, obviously this goes back to the 13 years to become an overnight success. You acquired all these tools and perspectives and network and, and experience, and then you leveraged it in this way that got traction immediately. That's, that's totally unusual. What, like when you're right now, you're, you're working with, I guess we're segueing into the, the, the agency that turned into an agency at some point, And now you're helping people. T tell us about that. I want to hear all about that. Yeah, 100%. So basically how I started the podcast and got getting traction was on LinkedIn. I grew this brand on LinkedIn. At one point, I decided that I would leverage my LinkedIn audience to further blow up the podcast. So first, I'll talk to you about how the podcast became number one across all apps and how I really started to gain traction. Because for a long time, I was a LinkedIn influencer who is known for her podcast, but my podcast wasn't that big yet. Now my podcast is like top 5% podcast is a very big podcast. So 
I reached out to all these different podcast apps and I said, hey, you know, I've got this huge engaged LinkedIn following. I would love for you to feature me in your app in exchange for me doing a contest about your platform or an educational poster. I'll drive people to your platform and in exchange feature me on your app. And everybody said yes. And so in a four-month period, I got sponsored by CastBox, Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podacy, Good Pods, you name it. Like everybody sponsored me at once, Riverside.fm. And my podcast got a lot more exposure. I went from getting, you know, 4,000 downloads in a month to 10,000, 15,000 downloads in a day, which is, you know, in podcast yeah, world, crazy. that's a big podcast, right? And so then I started to monetize my show. As everything got bigger and bigger and I was scaling my team people started asking me the same questions. I'd get people on my podcast who are CEOs, best-selling authors, who also had podcasts or wanted to start a podcast. And they'd be like, Hala, how are you so successful? How did you do this? You're still working at Disney. You're still working full-time. How are you doing all of this? Like, what is your secret? And so there's this lady, Heather Monahan, who's my mentor, also a big influencer and my client now for about a year. She's my first client. And so she asked me, to take a call. She was just obsessed with my videos and what we were doing. And she's like, can I, and this was before everybody started doing micro content videos. This, I was, I'm always like innovative. And so I was doing audiograms before everybody did audiograms. I was doing videos before everybody did videos. And so she was like, can you just walk me through how you're doing this? I have a podcast, my stuff stinks. So I walked her through my Slack channel of volunteers, our project management tools, headliner, Canva, all these different templates and folders. And at the end of it, she was just appalled. She's like, Hala, I literally just had a conversation with VaynerMedia and your stuff is more impressive. She's like, wow. you have an agency, like you have a business here. I want to be your first client. And at the time I was working at Disney streaming services and I had a great job and I was like, no, like the podcast is just a hobby. Like we're not offering services, but she was adamant to, that she wanted me to do her videos. So I was like, okay, fine, we'll do your videos. So we signed a really small contract, like 600 bucks a month or something ridiculously small. And I started doing Heather's videos before I knew it. We took over her whole social media, her whole podcast. And then we were just landing big client after another. My volunteers became hired. I started an internship program program and my volunteers essentially became team leads. And now, you know, some people who are volunteering for me back then have 30 people who work for them now and have quit their jobs and, yeah. you know, making money with me. And, and we're all just focused on this mission. So it, it really happened organically. And yeah. I think that's the secret when it comes to building a business that just blows up like this. Yep. It was just, it, it was such organic demand. I couldn't deny it. Everybody asked me the same question. Who does your marketing? Who does your podcast production? And I had all the foundation there. And I think the other thing that was really powerful is that my team was so motivated without even getting paid. They were just so motivated by the progress, by the mission, by helping other people. And so the culture was like really good. You know, we have a really good culture at Yap. Everyone's like super happy and fun and friendly. And I think it's because we started with really pure intentions and it just all happened really organically. Have you guys defined your mission and values for the business? Yeah, we have, uh, we have, uh, actually something that we took from Brian Scudamore in terms of what our company culture is. We're all, it's four H's, hardworking, hungry, hands-on and hardworking, hungry, hands-on, I forgot the fourth age. Oops. Uh, yeah, yeah, no worries. No worries. 
So, so yeah, so you guys have defined what you are as a business. You're obviously to your point, you have people showing up who aren't being paid. Now they're actually like, there's an opportunity for them to grow and they get to be a part of something greater than themselves. So mm-hmm. I love that. That's, I mean, that's really, I, I call those cultural assets. And so you're leveraging your cultural assets to create scale. And it's undeniable that there's a product market fit that you've been able to lean into. And, and so you start with the first client and now how big is the agency right now? How many clients are you guys working with? Who are your clients? Like, like I know you probably can't disclose all that, but what, what do you feel comfortable disclosing as far as like, who are you working with? What types of people? What are you doing for yeah. them? I'd love to hear I, I don't think my clients care if I say who I work with. So I do, I manage all of Kara Golden of Hint Water, all her social media and her podcast. Yeah. Brian Scudamore of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Britt Marin of Brit Co., Heather Monahan, uh, Jason Waller of True Underdog, um, Dr. Robin Smith, um, we do Excel media, uh, marketing. It's a, it's a network, a financial network. We do all their marketing and podcasts. I'm missing so many people, Stephanie yeah. Malik, Kim Farrell. Uh, so we've got lots of big CEOs, uh, best-selling authors. Alex Carter is our client as well. So we have an amazing list of clients. And what is an engagement? Like, what do they engage with you for? For like, when we're talking about, you know, Vayner Media, you're blowing them away with the tools and things that you you guys are doing. But what is it? What, what's it different when someone's coming to you and the Brian Scudamore, who's a mutual friend of ours, if he's coming to you to promote his either thought leadership or one hand got junk, what is it that Brian Scudamore is coming to you for? Yeah, so we are a white glove social media and podcast agency. So people come to us because they have a lot of long form content and they need somebody to create social content and ghost write on their behalf. So. In terms of the engagement, we work on brand guidelines. So what you look like visually, we create a story journal. What are all your stories that we want to say and make sure that we incorporate in your copywriting? We ghostwrite on your behalf. We create unlimited assets from any of your long form content. We get that published and actually publish it for you on the platforms. We engage. We we respond as you in the comments, in your direct messages. We do stuff for uh, boosting your engagement, internal tactics. And um, that's social media. So it's end to end. We do it all for you, leveraging pre-existing content, whether you are on podcasts or if you have uh, other videos that you're on, we take that and leverage that. Or if you have a book, leverage that to go straight on your behalf. Um, in terms of podcast production, same thing. It's They just show up to record. So we do the guest outreach, the bookings, the logistics, the transcripts intros, outros, scripting, questions, uh, audio editing, uploading to the hosting provider, show notes, and then the micro content that we integrate on social. And we are a full service uh, agency. So even though podcasting is a big specialty of ours, when we take over your social media, it's all of your business priorities. And we're starting to get into product marketing. So we just took over Hint, uh, all of Hint's uh, social media as well. Yeah. That's uh, so. I lived in San Francisco for seventeen years, and they're a San Francisco company, and they're they kill it. They they have such a good product. Um, yeah. So, a CEO comes to you, or an influencer comes to you, and they say, "Hala, I want you to make me famous, right? I want you to. I want to become. I want. I want to do what you did, and but it's twenty twenty one. How do you do that?" So when they're, it just depends on what they're looking for. If they have a podcast or social media, it is totally possible. And it really depends on your budget. 
So on LinkedIn, <laughs> there's it's true. If you have money, you can do what I did in three years and six months. And I've done that for my clients. I've grown certain podcasts that came to me with 200 downloads an episode and now are as big as my podcast in less than a year. And it just depends if you have the budget or not to do it. Um, so LinkedIn has a lot of organic reach. So LinkedIn, it's all about, do you know how to write the proper captions? Do you know the tricks? Do you know how to tweet, like how to work with the algorithm and not against it? LinkedIn is organic. We don't do anything paid. And it's just all about brand and knowing how to use the platform because there's still organic reach. Instagram is all about understanding the game. There is very little organic reach and you mm. need to leverage engagement services and engagement pods to get on the Explore page and grow your following there. That's going to take additional investment outside of really good content that my team would create. So that's Instagram. Um, if we go to the podcast, if you want the fastest growth, growth for podcasts, it's all about media buying. It's all about getting exposure inside the apps. And I've made all of these relationships with these brands who used to sponsor me and still sponsor me. And so I've got really good rates. I've done the experiments. I know how to grow your show, where to put your money. And I basically give you the guidance and coordinate media buying so that you can grow your show very fast. So, so, um, so again, said CEO says, yeah no budget. Like I, I can pay what I can pay what needs to be paid to get to 10,000 downloads. What does that budget look like? Did like, what is that? What does that cost for someone? Just like someone that's coming at you. A lot of your clients are, you know, well-known CEOs. Clearly they have some budget. What's that budget range look like? I would say if you want to get to 10,000 downloads per episode, you'll probably have to invest around $15,000 in media buying. And so 15,000 and you're done or 15,000 ongoing? 15,000. So I would say 3000 a month for about five months. And you should be getting between 10 to 15,000 downloads per episode after that. And then you can start to monetize your show and you can start to make probably five to $8,000 on commercial reads every month and start to make your money back. Uh, but wow. I would, yeah, so it's, it's a formula. And the thing is, is that there's limited inventory. So you need to know the right people. And I think I'm one of the five people that actually know how to do this. A lot of people will give you, there's lots of opportunities out there, but a lot of it is a scam and kind of a waste of money. Yeah. And it's a very wild, wild west situation. So there's media buys where you can get 30, uh, subscribers can cost anywhere from 30 to 60 cents. And those are really good ones, uh, like literally like finding gold. And then there's media buying, which is what most people know about, which is five to eight dollars a subscriber. And so it's such a big difference. And so you really need to know what apps you want to spend money on and what opportunities are there. And a lot of the times, like, for example, we're booking now for media buying in January, February. Like, so you've got to know the right people. you got to know when things open up and um all these apps kind of have different pricing based on the agencies that they work with and the relationships that they have. So I feel like I'm in a really unique position to grow shows. But like I said, it's limited inventory it could go away tomorrow in terms of the opportunities. So for, for, a, for a business that's trying to leverage their podcast, right? Like the way I kind of see podcasts is it's a way to have an intimate conversation with, with your, with your quote unquote audience that you want or your avatar that you want without actually them knowing you, right? If they mm -hmm. listen to you and I talk for an hour, they kind of get a sense of who we are as people, right? And then if they like my show or they like you, then they listen to other shows. And over time, they're like, oh, Darius is funny. He talks about his kids and he's got pink unicorns in the background and he's, you know, kind of a maniac and Hala's this badass who has a hip hop background and worked at Disney and crushed it and did all these amazing things and HP and here she is now. And so 
I feel like they can build that that connection. If you when is if they have a converting offer though, which I think is a big part of this, you need to have something where they need to hire you for something, or you're just doing it for vanity, right? What do you do? You guys work with people to help them create those product offerings or those converting offers? Yeah. So I think that there's lots of different ways that you can have a podcast and it's sometimes it's not about downloads. So it really depends on what your goals are. So for instance, before I was getting sponsored and before I had a lot of downloads uh, to get, you know, sold out shows every single week, I would just use lead generation. So the people who would guest on my podcast are the exact people who I want to do marketing for. And so before I started really making a lot of money with ads and getting people sponsoring my show, it was actually the guests who came on my show where I made money. And so almost all of my clients were former guests. So Brian Scudamore, Kara Golden, Heather Monahan, Jason Watt, these were all guests on my show who saw what I did were impressed. I didn't even pitch them. I've never even advertised for my agency. My leads just come organically. Still to this day, we don't be ba- I barely like advertise it at all. It's just on my LinkedIn profile. And if people ask about me on ask about it on interviews, it's all word of mouth plus the people who come on my show end up becoming my clients. And so that is a really good way to make money on a podcast. So it doesn't matter how many downloads you get. If you design a show where your ideal client is also your guest, that is an amazing situation to be in. And you can really monetize that because you'll be able to get in contact with people who otherwise wouldn't want to be in contact with you because you can scale the conversation and you can start to, you know, gain a reputation with them. They can kind of see what you're like, if you give them a good experience, then they'll think about you when it comes to the services that you offer. So it's a great way to get new clients in, regardless of how many downloads that you get. And then yes, if you have a a course or a product and you want to push it out on your show, a lot of people see success with that. Instead of getting sponsors, they replace that commercial time with their own product. So it just really depends on what you want to do. Oh, I love that. So um, what's the future for Yacht Media? I want to hear about that. We are starting a podcast network. So now that I've basically grown so many of my client shows, we are signing them on and going to start selling ads for them. So we've made relationships with all these different ad agencies. We're signing on to Spotify Megaphone, which is enterprise hosting, putting all our shows under there and starting our network. So that's my big thing. The next six months is just getting this network off the ground, recruiting new shows. Um, And I think we're really in a good place because most podcast networks don't have a marketing arm. And the fact that we not only have a podcast side of the business, but a fully established social media side is a huge differentiator. So I'm really excited about that. I love it. I love it. All right. So last question, 10 years it's, t- it's what is it, 2021 it's 2031 oh my gosh tell, tell me what, what like what's your BHAG what's your big hairy audacious goal I want to hear it I think that's really great I have such a problem thinking in the future like that because I'm all about like what the hell's happening now what's happening tomorrow so I think that's why I'm successful is because I'm so worried about hitting things every day yeah. so it's hard for me to see 10 years in advance because I have no idea what life is going to be like in 10 years I don't think that way but you know, I imagine that we are like when people say Yap Media, it's as familiar as Vayner Media. I'm hoping. Okay. I imagine that we're going to have thousand plus employees. I imagine that our network is super established. That I have written a book. 
I'm no longer young and profiting. I'll be old. So I'm <laughs> just kidding. It, everybody's uh. young at heart. <laughs> it's just a joke. But um, I'll have the Halataha show. Young and profiting might get passed down to one of my younger employees, or maybe it just evolves into the Halataha show. Maybe I have something on TV. If TV is still relevant, maybe it's VR. Po I have a feeling that podcasting is going to move into some sort of VR situation. And so maybe I have some VR type of show that is the Halataha show. And that's what I kind of imagine. I love it. So I, I realize I, I do have one more question. You, okay. said some, you said something earlier that that I should have taken a note. So I would have asked, I would have asked before my BHAG question, but I'm asking it anyway. Okay. So you said that, you, you know, you have a, the ability and the tendency to kind of see around the corners, right? Getting ahead of, uh, of the market, getting ahead of where media is going. And, and this has been a part of your success formula. What a, if you were to look out maybe in the next, you know, 12 months or 18 months and seeing what are you seeing that's around the corner that, that isn't here yet, but you think is going to be big? Well, I think that drop in audio, we saw how big Clubhouse was. It didn't yeah. stick, but I think that something's going to stick. And so I even think Clubhouse is going to have a resurrection over the fall and the winter. And so I'm getting back into it. Um, but I think that drop in audio is still has a chance to really blow up. I think that whatever the app that's going to stick hasn't come out yet, but it's going to, something's going to stick. And so I'm really going to double down on Clubhouse and still try to figure that landscape out. So I think that's number one. I think TikTok is huge. I personally want to start investing more time on TikTok. I don't think that platform is going away. I think that's going to be a place to double down on. I think YouTube is irrelevant. So I would pull out of YouTube if I was any. I think YouTube is just an old dinosaur that's just you need to pour money into it for it to work. So YouTube, I think, is going to start to go downhill. Um LinkedIn, I think it has a lot of organic reach still for the next couple of years. I'm curious to see what's going to come out. If LinkedIn will have some sort of drop in audio feature, I think it could do really well. So I really hope that they put that out. Um, those are just some initial thoughts. Oh, I love it. I, I have, I think it was my third or fourth episode of this was, was all about Clubhouse because I got addicted to it earlier this year. And I, I, I swear, I, I, I told my wife, I said, hey, just give me 30 days where I can be on as much as I want. And I was on like 10 hours a day, which was not. <laughs> I, this is what happens when you like exit your company and have too much free time. You go on Clubhouse. For well, it's so funny because I feel like Clubhouse was such a rush that I feel like we all got burnt out with it. Yeah. I feel like all of us invested so much time. We were glued to our phones. It was like I was addicted to it. I was so totally. addicted to it. And then one day I was like, I don't even want to turn this back on. And I feel like everybody hit that moment at some point when they were like, this is unhealthy. This just is not healthy. And so totally. I feel like it's in a really bad place right now. But I do see a glimmer of hope. I feel like people are starting to feel like, oh, it's getting cold. I'm not. I think it's going to just be seasonal, honestly. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I, you literally just described my entire experience, and and so I was on it hard, and then I hit that wall, maybe 90, 60, 90 days on it, and and it was fun. I met a lot of people and was on a lot of stages and got to like, you know, just organically meet a ton of cool people. But 
Exactly. I was like, this is not healthy. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know? you know what? Also, I think that they did a bad job with the features because actually the DM feature is what yeah. was a nail in the coffin for me because all of a sudden the benefit of being on Clubhouse was I was blowing up my Instagram at the same time. Right. And so it was like Instagram has no organic reach. Now Clubhouse has given me a way to reach all these Instagram people. And actually it I did really well. I went from like 5,000 followers on Instagram to almost 30,000 with Clubhouse. Wow. And so I really was like, that was one of my main reasons for being so gung-ho about the platform. As soon as they turned on their damn feature, all that went away. And I was like, well, now this feels like a waste of time. And yeah. so I think that they, their features went against them in the end, which is sad. Uh, so I hope they figure it out because it was a good idea. And there's so many people who are invested in it. But th that team just didn't do enough to keep everybody around. It yeah. stinks. Yeah, totally. It, it, it's uh, like I... I I, it was amazing how, cause they, cause you'd have to communicate with people. You'd have to go on Instagram and DM them there. Or people tried doing it on Twitter a little bit, Yeah. but I would, I would be on like one stage and get 500 followers in like an hour on Instagram. Yeah. And I was I like, know. this is crazy. And and I mean, and the DMS would blow up and I'm like, I can't even answer all these, you know, this is, yeah. I mean, it, at one point it was like, Oh my gosh, this is like a resurrection for, for Instagram. Yeah. That was really the main reason why I was so excited about it. So once they started with those features, it, it just got pointless. If it just felt like, well, clubhouse is growing so slow, there's not that many active users anymore. No one's yeah. even going to Instagram. What's the point of this? Totally. Yeah. Well, man, I love all your insights and your story is so amazing. I mean, yeah. literally I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I've started my first business when I was 25. And, and when you were talking about having all these people who are like your peers who you're leading, it, 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 it hit home. I, I had 150 employees within three years of being 25. And wow. I was like, my employees were older than me. And, <laughs> and, and, and you do have those identity issues and you do have to deal with those feelings. And for, you know, I know you've been doing this, you're 13 years to your overnight success, but kudos to you. I mean, man, you. you're crushing it. And it's, I love your content. I love seeing what you're doing on LinkedIn and everything you just said, Godspeed to VaynerMedia, you're going down. Holla's going to get you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Darius. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And I do want to say kudos to you because I got your little book package in the mail and it was so good, guys. He had this like box that had a unicorn on it and then his book is so cute, hot pink, and you had all these directions. So I think you you know what you're doing too. So congratulations on everything. And I, I can't wait for your book to come out and I think it's going to be a big success. No, my book's out. Oh, your book is out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. We, we Amazing. Gotta, we we got to come blow it up on your show. It's, yeah. It's, it's, Let's it's, talk about it. Yeah. The core value equation, baby. Core values are the language of accountability. So it's all about how do you use core values to scale your business. And I used it actually in my last business to grow from 30 to 1,000. So uh, yeah, but that's a story for another time. Um Hala, where can people find you? I know they probably know where to find you, but let's promote it for those who are new to your world. Yeah, 100%. So I would love for you guys to listen to Young and Profiting Podcast. It's for all ages. I actually have super fans who are 50 plus years old who love my show. I do a ton of research. We interview people like Seth Godin, Matthew McConaughey, Robert Greene. So you can find me on any platform that you listen to. Apple, Spotify, whatever, just Google Young and Profiting. You can go to youngandprofiting.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can search for my name. It's Hala Taha and Instagram at Yap with Hala. Guys, you heard it here. Go check out Hala on LinkedIn and then some. Check out our Young and Profiting podcast. And man, so much gratitude on my side. Thank you of so course. much for being here. Um, I want to be Hala when I grow up.
So, guys, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. We got some more shows coming up. Uh, peace out. We love you. See you guys. Thank you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.